and we're excited to hear what you have to give. I did leave. I left that mic there, guys, if you need it. I forgot it. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, Harvard. It's good to be back. I see a couple faces that are familiar, but for the most of you, you're all new. Um, and this morning, um, I wanted to just let you know I'm, I'm speaking to you as a father, uh, but also as a friend, and also as a therapist, and then pri primarily as a full-contact Christian. And I would just ask you guys to take 30 seconds to set your mind and your heart to receive. Okay, you got to give yourself permission sometimes. Whatever that might be, even though you don't know me, to receive whatever God might implant. So just take 20 more seconds in whatever way you got to do that. I've been praying for you guys, and uh, I, do, I do feel that God has given me a, a, a burning message for you that's going to, how many of you guys know courage is like a positive virus? You can, you can catch it from other people, all right? It's also like a muscle. Muscles don't develop by accident. They have to be used, or they a trophy, all right? So I have a bit of a sobering word for you, but just let's be kids about it. You enter the kingdom like a child, right? Precarious times are upon us in this nation. I don't know if you've noticed. Some of you may think that sounds a little bit dramatic. I don't think it's dramatic enough. Thanks, Julie. Um, as a therapist, I get to sit with people throughout the week and just hear their secrets, hear their concerns, hear their fears, hear their betrayals, hear their traumas, all that stuff. I meet with million dollar CEOs, business owners, I meet with soccer moms, I meet with homeschoolers, I meet with teenagers and professional athletes all across the board, all different demographics. And I, and I get to just kind of chart how we're doing, you know? And I want you guys to hear me on this. So many of the men and the women, Christian men and women that I meet with, are demoralized, they're lost, passionless, confused, passive. Too many, listen, I, I love you, but too many of the Christians I meet resemble harmless bunny rabbits rather than bold lions. When the proverb says, the wicked, the wicked flee when they're pursued, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. They don't flee. They draw a line in the sand. They don't run into the shadows. Gender confusion is now extremely pervasive and celebrated in this nation. We are the most heavily medicated culture that has ever existed on planet Earth, ever. We're the most obese culture that's ever existed. World obesity has now trumped world hunger. It's not even close. Go look it up. We are the least fathered generation that's ever existed. Now in America, one in four American homes are without a biological father. And by the way, just because a father's in the house doesn't mean he's engaged and assertive. 
We all know that. The, the very structure of the family unit is under siege, unless you've got your head buried in the sand, which some of you may. Time to wake up. Furthermore, hear my heart on this, y'all. Furthermore, I believe we have grown extremely soft and fragile through excessive luxury and abundance and entertainment. We've, we've grown, we are overfed, overstimulated, and we're oversensitive, fragile. But I believe we could change the tide. This is not all doom and gloom, okay? All right? So I want to pose a question. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a legitimate Christian in the modern era? Not by name only, not just by going to church, not watching your YouTube pastor, not listening to your podcast. A legitimate contender who finished this race with strength and boldness. That's what we're after. So my talk today is, is really, it's a wake-up call to wake to awaken a, a breed of Christian that can get the job done. Men and women of God that walk the path out with legitimacy, gripped by the fear of the Lord. Gripped by the fear of the Lord. Listen, this is the type of Christian that doesn't bow to perversion, doesn't bow to manipulation, can't be intimidated, can't be bought with dollars. You can't buy them. You can't intimidate them and get them in a corner. They're bold lions. Like the prophet Daniel spoke about in Daniel 11.32, he said, the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. That's what he said, and he lived it out. By the way, I believe the book of Daniel is a template for how to live today. Go read it. It's my favorite book. Um, about a year and a half ago-ish, I had a dream. And uh, I'm not a, I don't have a ton of dreams typically, but in this dream, inside the dream, I'm laying in bed and I wake up in the dream and I go downstairs to get my morning coffee and there's an envelope on the countertop with my name on it. I open it and it says, read Romans 12. And then I wake up out of the dream. And I'm not a rocket scientist, but I was like, dude, Maybe I should re as well, right? So, I mean, if you ever have a dream like that, you should pay attention. Well, I want to read to you what Romans 12 says. Some, a lot of you are familiar with it. I'm going to read it slow. And I think I may have given you guys the wrong translation if you have it up. But I'm reading out of the ESV. Romans 12 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Those two verses have haunted me since I had that dream. I was just before God going, God, like, okay, I know this is significant. I want to knock this over. This is significant. And it was like God was hammering me on, listen, 
it's, it's time to no longer be conformed to this world. A lot of us, we don't even realize we're in the current. We're acting, talking, behaving, thinking like the world. You're born into it. It's like asking a fish, how's the water? Yeah, he doesn't know. He's in it. The only way you know what God thinks is if you know the word of God. And you have the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people that know the word of God but don't have the Holy Spirit. And they read it. That you cannot get revelation without the Holy Spirit. You can get cognitive understanding. Those are massively different. So I encourage you guys in those two ways. Number one, our bodies. What we, what we look at, what we listen to, what we meditate on, the podcast you listen to, the YouTube videos you watch, the TV shows you watch, what you do with your, what you eat, what you do with movement and exercise, all this stuff is an act of worship to the Lord. And don't make excuses for yourself. These things matter. This is not to shame anyone. It's to say this is what the Bible says. This is not what Johnny says. I didn't make this up. Secondly, the world wants you to conform to some ideas and some narratives that you ought not to conform to, ever. Ever. I'm getting hyped, guys. Forgive me. Listen, God isn't looking, hear my heart, God is not looking for better methods, church methods. He's looking for better men and women. That sounds weird, but to quote Dallas Willard, he said, uh, he said God, or he said grace is opposed to earning, but not to effort. You don't earn your way into heaven. We all know that. That's Christianity 101. If you didn't know that, there you go. But you do, once in the family, you strive. You don't, you're not fighting against the air. You are striving for crowns to finish the race strong. I'm, I want crowns. I want to finish strong. I want to go the distance. I don't want to flake out at a midlife crisis. So again, I ask, what does it mean to be a legitimate Christian in the modern era? Well, I'm here today to give you three invitations from God to you to enable you to stand in this time in history. So open your heart and receive. Number one, an invitation to the fear of the Lord. Number two, an invitation to embrace the stigma of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number three, a return to the primal path of Jesus. I want to read a couple of scriptures as we talk about the fear of the Lord. Um, you know, every, anytime you build a house, you always build it on a foundation, right? If you don't have a solid foundation, house is going to fall over. It ain't going to make it. Proverbs 1.7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 14.26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. My personal favorite, Isaiah 8.13 says this, the Lord of hosts, him shall you honor as holy, let him be your fear, let him be your dread. Him alone, that's it. 
The true Christian, hear me guys, the true Christian fears the Lord. The Christian by name only, the worldly Christian, fears the opinions of men. The fear of men, the fear of men is a snare, it's a trap. We can quote these things, but a lot of us walk around afraid of social rejection and we strive for acceptance. This doesn't make you weird, it makes you human. But you're from another kingdom. When you come into this family, you're from another kingdom. Now, have you noticed, have you noticed this? The ungodly pagans of this generation, the, the loudmouth politicians, Hollywood actors, scoffers, mockers, the, the brash atheists, godless scientists, mocking God, mocking Jesus, mocking Christians, bold. They're bold as lions about it. Most Christians, quiet, silent, timid, passive, afraid. There's a clash happening between the little G gods of this world and the one true God. It's always been the case. It's always been the case. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? Um, years ago, my wife and I were living in Virginia and uh, had no concept of this. We are living in Virginia I was going through a season of real, just really hungry for God and fasting and praying. We were part of a community. They were big on fasting and prayer. And I was reading all these biographies about men and women of God who've lived over the ages. And I'm like, is this stuff real, man? Is it just go to church? Is it just read the Bible, memorize some stuff, and talk Christianese? And pray and hope God meets your needs? And I'm like, man, I'm reading this stuff going, man, if this is real, God, you got to show me. I need more. You're an infinite ocean. Whatever you got, I want it. I'm reading through the book of Acts going, is this stuff legit? Is it real? And I'm praying a simple prayer over and over and over and over. And I'm fasting and I'm going, God, if there's more, I want it. Baptize me with your spirit. I need more. Fill me up from, top, from bottom to top. I need to be overflowing. I need whatever these guys got, I need it. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm hungry. I'd go home, read the Bible, I'd pray. By the way, I still do that stuff. It's good. And uh, my wife's down. We've decided I'm going to go to grad school in Florida. And so she flies down to try to find us a place. And I'm back home. And it's about 1 a.m. I'm sleeping on the couch. And um, I'm awakened by this really loud, terrifying wind. <laughs> Wakes me up. I open my eyes, and this wind's so strong, I can barely keep my eyes open because it's so strong. It's blowing my hair back. It's blowing my blanket. And I'm gripped by sheer terror. And I'm 100% on the verge of death. I'm like, God, what is this? Don't kill me. I have a wife and a kid. And, and it was so terrifying, this wind. <laughs> By the way, all the strength of my body was sucked out of my body. I couldn't cover my face. I wanted to cover my face with a blanket. I couldn't even lift my hands, my arms. 10,000 pounds. And um, I'm, in, I'm in a moment of sheer dread, sheer terror. And deep in my gut, I knew this wasn't evil. But because I was so scared, I was a little bit confused. And like the most sober moment of my life, this one phrase began to just, it was injected into my mind. The sound of a rushing wind. The sound of a rushing wind. 
the sound of a rushing wind over and over, and no other thoughts were allowed in my mind. That was it on repeat. I look out the three windows right next to me, and outside about three feet from the window are a bunch of pine trees, completely still, no wind out there, but wind in my apartment. I'm, and I'm preparing for death. I'm like, God, I don't understand this. I have a baby. I guess it's my time. And all of a sudden, it leaves, and my strength returns, and I begin to tremble, and I cover my face for about 10 minutes, thinking I'm still going to die. Now it's eerily silent like it is in here, crickets. And I finally get enough courage, we're talking about courage, I get enough courage to rip the blanket off. I got my eyes kind of closed because I'm afraid I'm going to see something, and I turn on every freaking light in the house. And I grab, my, my kids are here, they're laughing at me. Um, I grabbed my dog, the, a beagle, which would, I would never allow this dog on my bed. In this moment, I was scared. I grabbed our dog, put him on the bed with me. I grabbed the Bible. I'll go to Acts chapter 2. And if, you, if you've read Acts chapter 2 or the book of Acts, you know, right after Jesus is crucified and buried, he resurrects. And then he tells his disciples, Here's the, he, he spoke to them things of the kingdom for 40 days. And he says, listen, I'm going to go sit on my throne. You guys wait together. I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you my spirit. And he's going to give you power from on high. And you will be my witnesses all over the earth. You'll have a boldness that you could never understand cognitively. Well, so I'm, I'm like, it's now, it's at, now it's about, I don't know, 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock. I call Kyla, my wife. I'm like, hey, I think God just came into our apartment. And she's like, oh, okay. And she's like, I love you. And she just like hung up on me. And I'm like, shame, shame. I'm like looking for comfort, you know. She was tired. She was sleeping. But I called my dad later that morning. And we talked it out. And I want to tell you that the... That's nice. Those experiences are nice and all that, but it actually wasn't nice. And I'm not telling you to, to the experience to, to build hype or anything. I'm telling you the experience because of the effects it had on me. The, effect, the effects were I was swept up for a week or two after that, swept up in a supreme awe and the sense of the presence of God. Like a weight extreme sobriety, clear thinking. You know, the Bible says you've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Clear thinking. Not diluted thinking. There was a, a reverence for Jesus, for the word of God, for the Father, for the Holy Spirit. I would walk around, I remember walking around at work and in the street looking at people going, do you know? I think in my head, this guy doesn't know. The raw power of God, the fear of the Lord. He doesn't know. She doesn't know. And I was like in a stupor. I just, in the fear of the Lord. I, I would get home. I couldn't even watch TV, y'all. It like didn't interest me. I couldn't even entertain. I couldn't do fruitless activity. I would pray. I would read the Bible. It was all like, what really matters? And by the way, you know, I'm not shaming you. To, if you watch TV, cool. Like we, we do our shows occasionally. No shame, guys, but hear the underlying message. I could not entertain sin. These are markers. If, when the fear of the Lord is in your life, these are markers. 
quickness to repentance. Hear this, here's this sentence. Never forget this sentence. The fear of the Lord is the spiritual chiropractic adjustment that places all other fears in their rightful place. I'll say it again. The fear of the Lord is the spiritual chiropractic adjustment that places all other fears in the rightful place. All right, second point, embracing the stigma of the gospel. Um, here's a truth it took me a while to get. Still growing in this area as well, but the truth is this. I want you to think about this. No matter what, you, no matter what path you choose in life, guys, you're going to be judged for it. If you choose to be a quiet, background noise, silent, passive, nice person, you may be judged for being a doormat. You may be judged for being uninteresting, unimportant. You may be judged as being beta. If you choose another route, you choose to, be, to speak your mind, to be bold, to be assertive, to be... To, to, to go for things, you may be judged as being arrogant or mean. When, if you're the kind of person who's going to share your opinion, you may be judged as being mean. You may be judged as being incompetent or glory-hungry or judgmental. No matter what path you choose in life, you're going to be judged. There's no way around this. But listen, the critic has a thousand names for you. No matter what path you choose, there's always going to be critics. And like Winston Churchill said, we cannot stop to throw stones at every barking dog. Be very careful what you give your time to and the critics. You're always going to have critics, no matter what you choose. The, our mistake is we give them too much of our mental real estate and bandwidth. We care too much what people think and not enough what God thinks. By the way, I'm not giving you permission to turn into this jerk that doesn't care what anybody thinks. There should be a pocket of people, and you should really reverence their opinion. I have a pocket tribe of people, and I'm like, listen, what they think of me matters. There's honor there. There's respect there. <clears throat> this is a strange subject, embracing the stigma. Listen, I'm not just talking about embracing it. I'm talking about hugging it, bear hug style. The stigma of Jesus, the stigma of the gospel. Stigma basically means that which is offensive, okay? That which is offensive, that which is embarrassing. You know, most of us, and myself included, you know, in the past, but most of us, we run from anything embarrassing. We seek to preserve our reputations, our image, our status. But listen, what if God isn't, Hear my heart. What if God isn't so concerned about your status and your rep? You are. Doesn't mean he is. I believe, God, I pray they get this. I believe self-preservation, the self-preservation mindset is what weakens us the most as Christians. It's weakening you. It's the greatest hindrance to faithful living, being so consumed with self-preservation and safety and security. 
You can't live a life of faith and see the miraculous if you're always concerned about looking good, sounding good, sounding competent, and never getting made fun of. You're going to die the kind of person that has to tell other people's stories. You're never going to live them. God bless you. It's the truth. I don't know about y'all. I get tired of telling other people's stories. I want to tell my own stories, man. You know? Listen, you guys have what it takes. I'm not talking at you like you don't have a chance. You have it. Stigma comes from a Greek word, the stigmata. You guys have maybe, maybe, maybe heard that word before. In Galatians 6.17, Paul says, I bear in my body the marks, the stigmata of the Lord Jesus. Whipped. I bear in my body the marks. In Hellenistic literature, the stigmata was a tattoo you would put on a runaway slave so that you could recognize them. It was a shameful mark. Paul says, I, I embrace it. I embrace the marks. Look at them. Ain't no shame here. You guys with me? Yeah? I know it's Sunday morning. By the way, I should have said this. I love this set design thing here. Whoever did that, props to whoever did that. I really want to see it with all the bulbs on. <laughs> Maybe later. Um, listen, when we shy away, when we shy away from the offense of the gospel, from when we shy away and we're embarrassed by Jesus, we're distancing ourselves from the power of the gospel. The power to save, to heal, to deliver, to be transformed. Listen, when you shy away from, when you're embarrassed by Jesus and the gospel, you actually will lack the ability to stand for truth and justice. You won't have the spine for it. My point is this, we are to be unashamed. Paul said, do not be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ or me, his prisoner. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I, oftentimes I find I, the way shame tries to work itself in my mind is being ashamed of other believers for how they represent Jesus. Not necessarily ashamed of Jesus. It's like, yo, the way they do it, it's like, I don't want to be associated with that. But be careful with that. The body has many parts. Just because you're a thumb, you shouldn't be judging a fingernail or whatever piece they are. That's a weird analogy. I don't know. Don't judge the ears or the eyes or the nose. Be careful with that. Now, there's a fringe. Listen, I hope you guys hear me. Father, let them hear this. There's a fringe benefit that you need to be aware of. I'm not sure if it'll mean a lot to you, but it does to me. The fringe benefit when you embrace the stigma is you get an increase in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When you embrace the stigma of Jesus Christ and the gospel and all the saints and what the Bible actually says, to speak the truth in a culture that does not love truth, you will be hated, y'all. You will be thought as a bigot. They will give you terms, put labels on you. Bold lions don't bend to labels. They're not intimidated by labels. 
You with me? This guy's mean. He's so mean. I'm just talking to you truthfully, y'all. Um, we need to hear it. The increase of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, an increase in joy, an increase in boldness, an increase in the awareness of the presence of God, which would be nice. Listen, let me say this. Maybe you're in the room, guys, and in the past you were ashamed of your faith or or you were, framed of, you were ashamed of Jesus at the workplace or whatever, or you've just kind of gotten used to being silent in the corner and you feel like you let God down or you feel like you let other Christians down. You know, you wanted to keep your reputation intact, so you just didn't step into the fray with boldness. You like to quote the bold line verse, but don't like to live it. Remember, this is what happened to Peter. Peter denied Jesus. Remember that? He denied Jesus. Just imagine how badly Peter wanted a second chance. Like, God, just give me one more chance to not deny you. Give me one more chance to man up or woman up, speak the truth in love, to stand boldly for Jesus. Remember, Peter wanted a second chance. Jesus gave him a second chance. Remember Jesus, remember Peter before before the baptism of the Spirit of God, and remember Peter afterwards, bold. Something happened to that guy. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. God, there's a kindness for you. If you're like, God, I, I've, been, I've been cowardly in the past. There's a kindness. There's, he, he will give you boldness. And there's no shame. The past is the past. We get a fresh start right now, today. Receive it. Anointing and intimacy will grow as you stand with Jesus in the face of stigma. It'll grow. Let God be your reputation defender. Last point, I'll get through this quickly. A return to the primal path of Jesus. Do me a favor, guys. Take a deep breath. Rouse yourselves a little bit. There we go. Get a little stretch on. There's a great enemy in our midst, y'all, and I'm not referring to the devil. After years of counseling Christians, I'm convinced passivity is our greatest enemy. Pass too passive with your family, too passive with your marriage, too passive with your physical health, your mental health, too passive with your children, too passive with your disciplines like reading the Bible, praying, fasting, too passive. I'll get to that tomorrow. Many of us see life, I think Savannah touched on this earlier, many of us see life not playing out the way we thought it should, and we get, we get deluded. We, we start to get hopeless and offended. And if there's one thing I know about Darren and Wendy, it's like a life message is we do not entertain being offended. We will not be offended. I know the Harbor Church will, refuses to be offended people. Jesus said it this way, blessed is he who is not offended in me. It's Matthew 11.4. These times require a different breed of Christian. Undomesticated, bold lions, wild-eyed, like John the Baptist. 
You guys know what I mean? John the Baptist, wild-eyed. You know why, listen, you know why the man got beheaded? He spoke up and spoke against a leading politician, a king, King Herod. He said, Herod, yo, you can't have your brother's wife. It's unlawful. It's wrong. It's unclean. It's gross sin before God. He threw him in prison. So you don't tell me Christians aren't supposed to speak into the political realm, the, the academic realm. Nah, Christians are supposed to be light in the culture. A city set on a hill. You don't hide in a corner, man. It's like being a silent Christian doesn't make sense. I'm not giving you permission to turn into jerks. We need wisdom. We need discernment. I want to take like one minute. I want to clearly delineate two things for you. What's the difference between a nice Christian and a kind Christian? Hear me on this. And go replay this later for everybody online. Hear me on this. Nice Christians operate from a self-preservation mindset. A desire to get acceptance and safety. Those are the nice Christians. Kind Christians operate from moral integrity. A spine and the fear of the Lord. Nice Christians don't actually love you. They love themselves. They love their own safety, their own reputation, their own status. Kind Christians are not reputation focused. They love you enough to correct you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Many are the kisses of an enemy. You know, think about this. It's like a surgeon. It's like, Julie, it's like if you had a a big malignant tumor on your heart and you went to see a doctor and the doctor says, hey, Julie, you have a huge tumor. It's malignant, but here's the deal. I don't want to cut you because that will hurt. So just come back in eight months and let's check it out then. And then you're like, "Ah, I didn't get a second opinion. You go to another doctor. He's like, listen, Julie, we have to operate tonight. This is malignant. We got to get this done. This is going to hurt like crazy. But because I care about you, I'm willing to wound you, cut you, hurt you for the purpose of life. One is, not, one is a kind doctor. The other doctor is twisted. He wants to, he doesn't want to hurt you. Do you see the difference? Nice Christians are conflict avoidant. Kind Christians don't look for conflict, but they won't back down from it. They're willing to assertively protect and defend. Nice Christians can't say no. They just can't do it. They can't, they couldn't risk humiliating or they can't risk saying no to you because then you might not like them. Kind Christians are willing to say no to draw a line in the sand because they live by a higher standard. The standard, the standard. Last point, believers, nice Christians, let's say it this way, nice Christians, they believe they should never impose standards on people's behaviors and words never impose standards. Kind kind Christians are resistant to behaviors and words that are broken and that cause harm and that violate the standards of God. There's a lot of pressure to conform these guys. There's a lot of pressure. We won't be those kinds of people. You were not born to conform. 
Do you get that? You weren't born for it. You have incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. There's something inside you from another world. That's called the Holy Spirit. So do me a favor. Stand up. You were born to stand in this time period. You weren't born 500 years ago. You were born in this generation. That means something. That means you have what it takes to handle this generation. You have it. God, it's like God injected you here, injected into the planet for this time period. I got four daughters. They've been injected into their generation. We're not supposed to live in fear, guys. You have one life. You have one life. You're going to spend most of your life living in fear and bowing, bowing down to the fears of the age? That's not for you. That's for the birds. So put your hand on your chest real quick. I'm going to bless you and pray for you. Holy Spirit, um, there is nothing I can say to these sons and daughters. I ask that you would say it to them. Receive courage into your bones right now in the name of Jesus, like a fire that can never be put out. The kind of courage John the Baptist had to say to Herod, you are in sin. This is unclean. This not. This ought not be so. With love in your heart, willing to stand out in culture. I bless you with boldness like a lion, the boldness Jesus had to stay up on that cross, the boldness Paul had to receive whippings and beatings, the boldness that all the saints that have gone before you had. By the way, in Revelations 21, there's a list of all those who do not inherit the kingdom. You know, the number one, the, the first thing mentioned on that list is the cowards. We reject cowardice in the name of Jesus. We reject cowardice Christianity in the name of Jesus. We choose to be filled with love and unafraid to enter the fray. I bless all you guys that you may enter the fray in the workplace, in your neighborhoods, in your families. You will not be passive from this day forward. You will step in knowing you have what it takes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, guys. We're going to go into worship, but Johnny, stay with me for one second. Thank you so much for bringing the word. Um, I saw a couple of visions um, while Johnny was preaching, and I just want to go there for a few minutes. I saw a picture first of what the scripture says is the Jesus being the lion and the lamb. And I heard the Lord say, this is a catalytic moment to purpose, purposeful Christ-like living. And so as you're still standing, if you have to get your kids, go ahead and grab them, please. And then come back and join us because we're going to do some, we're going to continue to worship and do some some ministry here in the room. But again, catalytic moment to purposeful Christ-like living. In the name of Jesus, I want us to stay here and I want us to continue to pray. And then we're going to go into to worship. So whatever that looks like for you guys, if you need to move around for a minute, you're free to do that. But I want to speak over you, us as a community. If you're watching online, if you're here in the room, this is a catalytic moment. This is a moment for Christ-like maturity. We honor, Father, we honor as a community. We honor the fullness of maturity in the lion and the lamb. We honor the fullness of who you are, Jesus. And we want the fullness of who you are, Jesus, materializing off of our lives, just like Johnny said, in every sphere of influence. The maturity of the lion, the maturity of the lamb, 
the maturity that leans in and rests in the arms of a father who is good, but instills courage and bravery from another realm into our frames. Come on, guys, go there in your own way. There has been much that has tried to come against the fullness of who you were created to be in this moment. And this is a catalytic moment and a moment for you to agree with Holy Spirit to step into the fullness of what the Father has made you for in this hour. We declare in Jesus' name that passivity is getting swallowed up in a lifestyles of encounters with Jesus Christ. Right now, passivity, you've got to go in the name of Jesus. Christ-like courage, grow. Ha, that's the word. Passivity, you've got to go in the name of Jesus. Christ-like courage, grow. Christ-like courage, grow in the name of Jesus. Father, we trust you. We thank you for bringing in this word through our brother. We thank you for every part of the body and the necessity for the full health of the whole body under the headship of Jesus. May your government come. May your will be done, God. May lovers of Jesus and people arise on the earth free from self-preservation and the fear of man. Come, Holy Spirit, as we worship Jesus and do what only you can do as God. Amen. Amen. Listen to this proverb real quick, guys. Like a muddy spring or a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. I'll say it again. Like a muddy spring or a polluted well is a righteous man that gives way to the wicked. Wicked prevails when the righteous do nothing and are silent. Wickedness prevails in a nation when the righteous do not stand. You have what it takes to stand. Can you receive that? You got to cast off fear, guys. It's not your master. You have one master. Receive boldness in the name of Jesus.